0: To successfully lead others, you must first win within yourself, and that's understanding who you are, igniting your superpowers, and nurturing your skills. When you can do that for yourself, you can do that for your team. Successful leadership starts from the inside, or shall we say, the win side. I'm your host, Terry Lee. Let's get it. Let's go. Hello and welcome to episode three of Lead from the Wind Side. Today's episode is on one of my favorite topics emotional intelligence. And ever since I got into leadership development and personal development, I've been so intrigued by this topic. It's become one of my favorite and I love to talk about it. I will put this caveat out that when I speak about emotional intelligence on this episode or any other episode um, in this podcast, It's from a uh, training, educational, and information perspective, and not a medical perspective, because there are some medical elements and components to this, uh, but I just want to make sure that you know this is from a training, educational, and information perspective. So let's jump right in. Uh, The general definition of intelligence is our ability to perceive information, retain it as knowledge, and apply it towards behaviors in our environment, and put it into context. In short, it's our ability to learn stuff. So now, apply that to emotional intelligence. It's our ability to learn our own emotional stuff. And that's the self side of this thing. And then, we also have our ability to understand other people's emotional stuff. So now we have the interpersonal relationship side. When you put those together, it's about how to make Your stuff, work together with other people's stuff in the best way possible when you interact. There are three generally recognized models of emotional intelligence. The first model is probably the most recognized is Daniel Goldman's model. And he was the first to publish a book titled Emotional Intelligence, which is why he gets the most recognition and he speaks the most on it publicly. His model consists of four capabilities, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. The second model uh, was created by three university professors, John Meyer, Peter Solaby, and David Caruso. They actually coined the term emotional intelligence in their research. And their research was to measure, measure the differences in people's abilities around their emotions. And their, their model focuses on four human abilities perceiving emotions, facilitating thought, understanding emotions, and managing emotions. And then the third model, uh, which the third model, which what I'll be referencing throughout this this episode and probably other episodes the most, and this is the model that I, I use my coaching and training practice on, is the Reuven Barron model. Barron had breakthroughs in studies of what he called emotional well-being back in the 80s and he focused on these questions. Why do some people possess greater emotional self well being Why are some better to achieve success in life? Why do some who are blessed with intellectual abilities fail in life while others with more modest gifts succeed in life? From his studies, he developed the EQ, the emotional quotient, which, which is what measures emotional intelligence. Baron's behavior driven model is focused on five realms self perception, self expression, interpersonal, decision making, and stress management. Baron later teamed up with Dr. Steven Stein to develop the Emotional Quotient Inventory Test, now referred to as EQI 2.0. The EQI 2.0 is the assessment that I also use in my coaching practice. As I mentioned just a bit earlier, the the Baron model consists of five realms, self-perception, self-expression, interpersonal, decision-making, and stress management. There are three subsections in each of these realms, making 15 subsections in the complete model. In this this episode, I'll be covering the realm of self-perception. So what is is self-perception? In the context of emotional intelligence, self-perception is the inner self. And that's why it made it on the podcast lead from the wind side. It is the determination of how much you are in touch with your feelings, how good you feel about yourself and how good you feel about how you're doing in life. Let's use the example of a thermostat. Most of you likely have a thermostat in your home. The thermostat is the instrument that monitors the temperature in your home. When you get a little cold, you go check the thermostat and adjust it accordingly. And if you get a little too warm, you go check the thermostat and adjust it accordingly. Temperature changes in your home are generally affected by outdoor weather, which is external factors. Just as we have that thermostat in our home, our bodies also have a thermostat to monitor emotions in our body. It's called the limbic system. Many times, external factors may contribute to an emotional temperature change in our brains and body. And in order to adjust the emotional temperature, we have to recognize what's going on in our limbic system. You see, the limbic system holds our memories, experiences, values, beliefs. And when these things are aroused or disturbed, our emotional temperature changes. You cannot stop emotions from occurring. What's important to know here is where the emotion is coming from and how to manage it when it arises. This is where the subsection of self-perception comes in, and that's emotional self-awareness. Emotional self-awareness is the ability to recognize your feelings, differentiate them, know why you're having these feelings, and recognize the impacts your feelings may have on others around you. Emotional self-awareness is the foundation of building emotional intelligence. If you can't recognize the temperature, you don't know to go to the thermostat and you're likely to remain cold or hot. And this will likely have a negative impact on everyone else on your team. Here's an easy example. Let's use Jim. Jim coaches a 12 year old youth basketball team at the neighborhood wide. He has practiced later that evening, but he had a terrible day at work. He missed some deadlines and received some feedback that he didn't like and didn't take time to process the feedback. Jim leaves work and heads straight over to practice. Jim starts to give instructions for practice and notice some of the kids are not paying attention. He reacts with anger, yells at the team for not listening, and makes them run for much of the practice. As a result of this exchange, the kids miss out about basketball and they have zero fun. They also question if they like Jim as a coach. Now, was the pressure of the youth basketball practice the trigger? No. Was the kids not paying attention to the cause? Maybe that had a little to do with it but that was not the issue. Jim did not take the time out to check his emotional temperature before he began his interaction with his team. He did not recognize the stress of the workday and the emotions of negative feedback were still on top of his mind. And as a result, he may have damaged his relationship as a coach uh, with some of the players. What could Jim have done if he was more emotionally self-aware? So on his drive over to practice, he could have recognized that he had a stressful day but remembered why he got into youth basketball in the first place. And that will help bring some balance to his life. He could have told his team, hey, I had a bad day at work and asked them to forgive me if I seem a little bit not fun as usual. He could have asked one of the parents to help him out with practice so he he could have time to buffer his emotions. The emotionally self-aware Jim knows and recognizes his emotional state and where it started. His ability to communicate that to himself and his team allows him time to process the emotion, but also allows him, his team to understand and possibly support him through this situation. Now, insert your name and insert your own scenario into this. How well do you process and recognize your emotions? And do you know the consequences of your reactions of the people around you? Do you know your triggers? Your triggers live in that limbic system of yours. Memories, experiences, beliefs, and values. This is why it's so important to know what's in your head and why it's in your head. An emotional trigger for me is interpersonal conflict. Whenever I encounter it, I'm in flight mode. I'm getting away from it as quickly as possible. This is something I really didn't understand until I started getting into personal and professional development and learning development and started learning more about emotional intelligence. I came to understand, I didn't understand conflict because I never saw it growing up as a kid. I knew my parents had disagreements and arguments from time to time, but I never saw it. I never had to deal with it. And life's best teacher is experiences. Now that I recognize that it's a trigger and understand it, I don't go around looking for conflict. But I do know that I need to be more vocal in voicing disagreements or differences of opinion. I'm more proactive in knowing when situations might arise and being more mentally prepared as opposed to being reactive and letting the emotional fear of conflict take over. You can become more emotionally self-aware by writing down or journaling situations that bring certain emotions. Re- record when it happened, what was happening at the time. This will give you some insight to what really may be triggering the emotion. You can then begin to rewire what's happening in that limbic system of yours. And that will add new experiences, new emotion, and new information that leads to more awareness. The next subsection in the self-perception realm is self-regard. And this is the ability to respect and accept yourself. Now, this component of emotional intelligence is associated with general feelings of security, inner strength, self-confidence, and self-adequacy. Research by psychologist Carl Rogers shows that much of what we think about ourselves and our abilities are shaped in early childhood. If we had an environment that provided genuineness, acceptance, and empathy, we're more likely to have a healthy regard for ourselves. A person with a healthy self-regard understands their strengths and weaknesses, accepts them, but also understands that they're a work in progress. They don't disregard their weakness. They just don't focus on it so much that they lose sight of what they're really good at. This person is less likely to let the emotions of fear or inadequacy get in the way of their progress. An unhealthy self-regard is is someone who can't see past what they deem is not good enough for them. They set the bar so high for themselves in many situations that they can't possibly meet their own expectations on a regular basis. They may say something like, I said too many ums in what was likely a great presentation. Or their thoughts are so heavily focused on being judged by the outside world, they fall into that stinking thinking that I talked about in the first podcast. The other side of the coin of someone with an unhealthy self regard is someone who has an overinflated or distorted view of themselves. They don't want people to see their warts, so they cover them by never admitting that they're wrong. They surround themselves with yes people because they're not open to criticism. They don't suffer from imposter syndrome, they are the imposter. One of the best examples I've read on turning an unhealthy self-regard into a healthy one comes from Ben Zander in his book, The Art of Possibility. Awesome book if if you have a chance to read it. Ben tells the story of when he was a child and his parents would go around the dinner table and ask all the kids, what did you achieve today? As Ben heard his siblings tell the stories and the things that they achieved, he always felt that... What he achieved did not meet the level of accomplishments of his siblings. This created an anxiety in him that he said lasted in him until his middle ages, until his 40s and 50s. Ben came to realize something had to change. So he developed what he called be a contribution for himself. This is a notion of what you do is not to be judged by someone else's standards, but to seek to be a contribution in whatever way is possible for you or for Ben in this situation. As Ben worked through this concept, he states that the question of, am I good enough or am I loved only for my accomplishments is now replaced with, how can I be a contribution today? Ben was able to rewire his circuitry and his limbic system to manage the emotions he had and his perceptions about his shortcomings by asking new questions of himself that created different thoughts, different actions and different behaviors. What Ben did was override the memories and experiences that were imprinted in his mind. That's the amazing thing about the brain. It's always accepting new data and creating new pathways. You just have to feed it the proper information. For many, a healthy self-regard is the gateway to being your best self. If fear or judgment or fear of failure and doubt and perceived shortcomings stand in your way, know that you possess the power to rewrite the stories that put those things in your way. Dr. Seuss said, today you are you, that's truer than true. There's no one alive that's youer than you. So own who you are. Reimagine the stories in your past that are holding you back. Honor your strengths, manage your limitations, and go be you. So you say, go be you. What does that mean? Well, first, it's an easy transition into the final subsection of the self-perception realm. It's self-actualization. And secondly, self-actualization is about engaging in meaningful activities that lead to a rich and full life. And that's going to be you. How this relates to emotional intelligence is that it forces you to ask the question of what are my thoughts and emotions about the life I'm living right now? Am I living a life that is pursuing activities that bring satisfaction and meaning to my life? Something that inspired the win acronym that I use in my training and coaching business was my observations of companies that would win this award called the best places to work. This was an award given to companies based on employee survey scores on how they how they felt about being valued and appreciated by the organization and also their ability to do meaningful work and their view of the leadership of the organization. Having the opportunity to attend this award luncheon several times, I heard firsthand the founders and leaders of these organizations that would win consistently or at least be in the top five. They would all have the similar theme and their stories summarize the WIN acronym for me. They knew exactly what they wanted to pursue and build because it was their passion and desire. Because they were so focused on what they wanted to build, They were able to identify and hire leaders whose personalities and skills matched their vision. They were able to ignite the skills and abilities of their leaders and staff by showing them the value of their contribution and developing their skills. They nurtured the organization by building transformational relationships with their staff. They recognized the full person and recognized family was important and also allowed time for employees to do volunteer work outside the organization and also allowed tuition assistance for employees to develop and learn other skills the leaders of these organizations were self actualizing because they were focused on their why in life and they were able to build that in others as well not all of us have the opportunity to start a business or lead a large or lead in a large scale capacity but we do have the opportunity to strive for meaning in our life. We also have the opportunity to, to honor the things that light up our life and nurture ourselves and the people around us. When we don't do that, we carry the emotional baggage of dread, doubt, regret, disappointment, and sometimes anger. We cast those things on ourselves and sometimes we cast the blame on others. Yes, the road to self-actualization is long and the terrain is a bit rougher for some, but the choice to take the road and fulfillment is always there as long as you have blood in your hearts and breath in your lungs. So like I said earlier, go do you. So now that I've I've said all this, let's get into the win code and how this relates to leaders out there. So the W, the W is understanding what your emotional triggers are so they don't get in the way of building relationships with the people you lead and love. This is never about eliminating emotions. It's about acknowledging it, understanding where it's coming from and addressing it, addressing it at that point. When you do that, you're better able to manage the emotion instead of the emotion managing you. Understand what your strengths and weaknesses are when it comes to leading. We are not all things to all people. There are areas where we need support, and that's okay. Continue to develop yourself as a leader in whatever field you're in. Be inspired by the role and responsibility you signed up for as a leader. Many times I work with leaders and coaches who are not inspired by leading, and it's because leading is not what they really want. They took the role because it was more money, it was more exposure, or maybe it fed their ego. Or they didn't even know why they took the role in the first place, it was just assigned to them. You cannot inspire others if you're not inspired. So evaluate your spark. And then lastly, continuously take note of your emotions, thoughts, actions on your leadership journey. Take note of what brings you joy. Take note of how you inspired others. Take note of the actions that led to your successes and failures. It's been, suce- it's been said that success leaves clues, but it's up to you to collect them. So there it is. Emotional intelligence in the self-perception realm. If you don't self-perceive, you may not achieve as a leader. So that's all I got for this episode of Lead from the Windside. Again, thanks so much for joining me. I want to send a special thanks out to Team Lee as always, and we'll see you next time on Lead from the Windside.